0: Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we're gonna be previewing the Rocket Mortgage Classic 2023 edition, PGA Tour is heading over to Detroit Golf Club this week, and we have got a full comprehensive preview coming your way in 30 minutes or less. We're going to break down the course itself. We're going to talk about some of the best plays in DFS and some of the best bets to win the tournament, and we're also going to break down one and done strategy. So whatever your angle is for the Rocket Mortgage Classic this week, we are going to have you covered here on this episode. Now, this is also kind of a special episode for us, Um, believe it or not. The Rocket Mortgage Classic last year was our very first tournament that we previewed for the PGA Tour. It was actually one of the very first podcast episodes we had, so it was kind of interesting this week to go back and look at my old research, look at my old uh, notes, and kind of listen to the old episode and just see how far everything has progressed in a year. We weren't on YouTube back then. We're on YouTube now, um, so if you are watching on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to the channel. I cannot express how much it helps me out. It shows me a lot of support and really helps me out. Um, It does not go unnoticed. I do promise that. Uh, If you're listening on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts, please rate and review, and also please hit that subscribe button. You'll be notified when new episodes drop, like tomorrow's episode, where we're going to talk about Live Valderrama, this week's event on the Live Tour. Got a lot of interesting things going on over there, so we're going to do our full breakdown for Live Valderrama coming up on the podcast feed and on the YouTube channel tomorrow. Now, also, we don't just do golf here on Mike's Money Picks. We do football and basketball as well. Um, So our NFL team previews for all 32 teams are starting to trickle their way in. We are complete with the AFC West. We're going to start with the NFC East later this week. Um, So if you want some fancy football breakdowns for any team in the NFL, we're going to have that coming your way. And the four for the AFC West are on the channel and on the podcast feed. Lastly... We do also promote player props and drafts, for that matter, on Underdog Fantasy. If you're not on Underdog, use my promo code MConley88. It is on the YouTube video um, to get your first deposit matched up to $100. It is also in the pinned tweet on my Twitter profile, at Mike's Money Picks. And we will be showing our prop picks on Underdog um, as the week goes on, on that Twitter as well. So go ahead and hit that follow button, at Mike's Money Picks, uh, and you'll be notified when those drop. All right, I do believe that has it covered for the intro, so let's go ahead and kick things off. You can set your timers now, 30 minutes or less. We're going to kick off this 30-minute preview by breaking down Detroit Golf Club itself. But first, let's get a quick word from our friends at Spotify. All right, so we're going to go ahead and break down Detroit Golf Club. So Detroit Golf Club has hosted this event for four times, starting in 2019 and then going through 2020, 21, and 2022. It is a par 72, and it is 7,370 yards on the scorecard. However, it doesn't really play that long um, there's not a whole lot of dog legs. Or there's really no forced layups. Um, and then there's a long par three and there's a really long par five. And it is a par 72. So like on paper, it's only 100 yards less than Oak Hill site of the PGA Championship. That's about 7,400 yards in change. But that was a par 70. And there were a lot of holes where you had different angles heading into greens. This is a very flat very straight golf course. It's actually the second flattest golf course on the PGA Tour behind only TPC New Orleans. So if you wanna be technical, this is actually the longest, or I'm sorry, the flattest, individual stroke play golf course that is on the PGA Tour since TBC New Orleans is the site of the team event. Now, this is what I would consider a driver wedge golf course. There's not really any holes on this course that are super narrow or have angles that are going to take driver out of your hand off the tee. So guys are going to be teeing off with driver and a lot of the holes are short enough that as long as they're in the fairway, they're going to have a wedge on the way in. This is not really a difficult course to hit the fairway either. If I'm being totally honest, um, I'm a 15 handicap golfer more or less, right? Um, I play at a lot of local courses and I play from, you know, the standard white tees, the men's tees. Uh, They're about 6,200 yards and I shoot about 82 to 90, you know, on any given day. I think i could come out to this course at detroit golf club play from their members tees and i think i could break 90. i don't say that about most of the golf courses on the pga tour but i think this one is very easy it is very easy to just pull driver on every tee the fairways are pretty wide there's not really a whole lot of hazards or punishment if you miss the fairway and the green complexes are not that difficult either so i just think this will be a course where you know amateurs could go out and play this course pretty well which leads me to the next topic is the fact that this is going to be an absolute birdie fest the pga tour pros tend to you know kind of rip this course apart with birdies there's a lot of holes where if you're not making birdie you are losing strokes to the field being able to you know bomb a driver use a wedge to hit the green and knock down a birdie putt is going to be the formula for success this week. Now, in terms of distances on the scorecard, the par fours here at Detroit Golf Club are either under 400 yards or in the 450 to 500 yard range. The greens themselves are bent grass greens with a POA mix, which is very similar to what we saw last week at the Travelers Championship with TPC River Highlands. Now, another thing to note with the weather is that there were severe storms in the Detroit area this past weekend, so it should make for a slightly softer course, which could actually make scoring conditions even easier. There's also usually not a whole lot of wind at this golf course. Pretty much everything here at Detroit Golf Club sets up to be... A very easy birdie fest type of week. I mean, honestly, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see the course fly over. Some of the holes look like they're out on a driving range, just because they're very straight, very flat, very minimal hazards, and you know you can just go bombs away off the tee, hit your shot into the green, and hopefully you can make your birdie putt. Now, it is worth noting that Detroit Golf Club is a Donald Ross design. The only two regularly played courses on the PGA Tour that are designed by Donald Ross are Sedgefield, home of the Wyndham Championship, and East Lake, home of the. Tour Championship, uh, Oak Hill, which was the site of this year's PGA Championship, is also a Donald Ross design. Now, let's talk about the formula for winning here. So, the winning score last year was minus twenty-six. So, um, like I said, you are going to have to make a lot of birdies if you want to win this week. And if you are going to make a lot of birdies, it would require making a lot of putts because, like you know, to make a birdie, you are going to have to make the birdie putt. Right now, the four winners of this event have been a very interesting dispersion in terms of ability level, betting odds, and skill set. You had Nate Lashley win inaugural in 2019. Uh, He was actually a Monday qualifier for that event um, and was like I believe 200 to 1 to win that event. Bryson DeChambeau in 2020 was a massive favorite. It was where he went the normal Bryson driving gouge strategy that he used to win the U.S. Open later that year um, where he just went bombs away off the tee and he was really hot on the greens that week. The next year in 2021 it was Cam Davis who was another long shot another guy who tends to bomb it off the tee a little bit Uh, and then last year was Tony Finau a guy who did play very well off the tee but also rolled in a lot of birdie putts so you can see with the winners distance tends to give a little bit of an advantage but it's not a requirement basically the formula this week is going to be fairway green birdie putt boom If if you can do those three things you're going to be in great shape this week and so you know distance is the advantage. If for no other reason, then instead of Um, hitting irons or you know woods into greens, you're going to have wedges or short irons into those same greens. So that is how distance does play as an advantage. Now, when it comes to putting, the guys that I named, Lashley, Bryson, Cam Davis, Tony Finau, they're not known as great putters, but they're guys who can have a spike putting week. They're guys who have the capability of getting hot. In fact, historically, Finau is a pretty bad putter, but Finau does have the ability when he gets it going to really get it going on the greens, and that's exactly what he did to win last year. Now, in terms of comp courses, there are a few of them. Um, The courses that Tony Finau has won at tend to be pretty similar to this one. So Vedanta Vallarta, home of the Mexico Open, it's much longer than this, but it's still very wide and very easy. Had to make a lot of birdies to win that tournament. TPC Twin Cities, um, home of the 3M Open, which will be later this summer, um, does feature some similar winners. Tony Finau won that tournament last year as well. Matthew Wolf and Bryson DeChambeau were one-two at the 3M Open, and then were two-one um, at Detroit Golf Club in 2020. Uh, and then I, I think you can just look at other easy courses. TPC Craig Ranch, which is home of the Byron Nelson, Oakdale, which was home of the RBC Canadian Open. I think if you just look at other birdie fests, I think there is a little bit worth looking at in that. Now, in terms of key stats this week, and I'm using the custom model from uh, rickrungood.com. Um, the key stats this week, the first one would be strokes gained off the tee. I think you do have to be able to gain some strokes off the tee this week. You're going to have to either be long or in the fairways routinely. Um, and so if you look at that category, top guys in the field with that, you got Kevin Yu, Brent Grant, Cameron Davis, Ben On, and Hayden Buckley. Hayden Buckley actually with Drew. So I'll give the next honors to Garrick Higo and then Austin Ekrow. Um Now, opportunities gained is another category that I think is very important this week. Opportunities gained is basically saying, did you give yourself a 15 foot or less birdie putt on any given hole? Uh, And the leaders in that are Ben Martin, Colin Morikawa, Justin Thomas, Keegan Bradley, and Hideki Matsuyama. Now, another stat that I like this week is called bonus putting. So bonus putting is putts that are under um, five feet and then over 20 feet. So basically, did you make the putts that you should make? And did you make any putts that you shouldn't make? And so the leaders in that category are Ben Taylor, Max Homa, Will Gordon, Carson Young, and Aaron Baddeley. Now, I also think with this being an easy course setup, I think you can look at easy courses as, you know, general comparisons. And in terms of easy courses this week, the top five in strokes gained at easy courses are Justin Thomas, Webb Simpson, Ludwig Aberg, Tom Kim, and Sung J M. Im. Um, and then I also think that it's important stat knowing that you're going to have to make a lot of birdies. Birdie or better gained, I think is a very indicative stat. And at the top there, you've got Sung Im, Ricky Fowler, Uh, Keegan Bradley, Tony Finau, and Mark Hubbard at the top. And then if you were to just look at the Strokes Gain Detroit Golf Club, um, Taylor Pendrith is number one, Taylor Moore two, Tom Kim three, Tony Finau four, and Matt Wallace five. Now I put all of this into a custom model and I will tell you guys um, how the top turned out. Um, The top of that model ended up being Sung J M, Hideki Matsuyama, Tony Finau, Keegan Bradley, and Tom Kim as a top five, and I was pretty satisfied with that top five, knowing what I know about this golf course and knowing what I know about those golfers. Now, the values that tend to pop pretty well were Brandon Wu, Ryan Palmer, Carson Young, Mark Hubbard, Kevin Yu, Luke List, and Akshay Batia were all um, in the 7K range and found their way into the top 20 in my custom model, my personal custom model. All right, so now let's take a more holistic view of it, all right, and look at the field itself. When I look at this DraftKings board, I see a 10k range that I actually think is very um it depends on the lens that you look it at Like, you know, on, on paper, you have a better 10K range this year than you had this tournament last year. You've got Tony Finau, Kyle Moore, Caller, Ricky Fowler, Max Homa, and Justin Thomas. However, they all have kind of holes that I could poke in their game, right? So I actually was in a little bit of a discussion on this on Twitter last weekend when the field – was released for this tournament. I thought that Tony Finau would come in at about forty percent ownership, just because of you know the kind of the quality of it and him being the defending champ. But then as the weekend went on, Ricky Fowler got hot at Travelers. Justin Thomas got hot at Travelers, and Finau faded down the leaderboard at the Travelers. So I kind of think that now all the ownership that I thought was going to be on Finau is going to migrate its way over to Ricky Fowler and to Justin Thomas. For what it's worth, on FanDuel. Colin or I'm sorry, on FanDuel, Ricky Fowler is the highest priced golfer. I expect Ricky to be the highest owned golfer at the top this week, like by far, much more than anybody else. And if the ownership is going to be off of Finau, the defending champ, I'm okay with playing him. And if the ownership is going to be off of any of the other guys, I'm okay with playing him. But like I said, they all have holes that you can nitpick, right? With Finau, it's going to be that putter. With Morikawa, it's his lack of distance at a course that historically rewards distance. We also don't know what his recent form really is, don't know what to make of it. With Fowler, it's the ownership. With Homa, it's the recent form. And with Thomas, it's the recent form. So here's one thing that I do want to mention also. When you look at lineup construction for DFS, Right in elevated events and events with strong fields in majors, what most DFS players tend to do is they play a lot of different guys at the top with a smaller pool of guys in the value range because there's less of them that they like or less of them to choose from. Right now. In non-elevated events, in weaker field events, what you tend to see a lot of people do when they make their lineups is they pick just one or two guys at the top and they pepper in a lot of different value plays just because there's not a whole lot separating them and there might not be that level of familiarity or that level of confidence in them. So just know that going in. I expect Fowler to come in massively owned. I expect Thomas to come in with a lot of ownership and I think a lot of people are going to just, you know, structure their lineups around having either Fowler or Thomas. All right, so now let's start doing some individual breakdowns. So when it comes to Tony Finau, obviously the case is or the cause of concern is the putter, right? He has lost strokes putting. He's lost over 2 strokes putting in fact in five straight events, but He does give you that spike week with the putter, right? Like he did when he won in Mexico, like he did last year when he won this tournament, gaining almost five strokes putting, right? And so I just think that I'm willing to go back to Fino. Like, I, I'm, I'm a Tony Finau guy. I'm a Tony Finau supporter. He's still doing good things in the ball striking categories. He's just been so abysmal with the putter he hasn't given himself a chance to win. Well, what better chance to flip the putter than at a place that you've won before and at a place where he's going to give himself plenty of makeable birdie putts. Now, Colin Morikow, we already outlined the concern is that he doesn't really fit the mold of the bomber at a course that seems to, you know, fit bombers and also I don't really know what to make of what's been happening with him recently. You know, he withdrew with back spasms at the memorial. Um, which really hurt a lot of people's lineups, myself included. And then at the US Open, he's doing this weird, like squatting down when he's teeing the ball up. If you haven't seen it, look it up. It's very strange. Um, and he plays great and, you know, comes in T14. And then at the Travelers, he's terrible on Thursday, but he's great on Friday. Still loses two strokes approach for the week. So I don't really know what to make of Kyle Morikawa. He's one of the hardest golfers to handicap in this field. But if you're kind of thinking about the formula for success here, right? You want to fairway, green, birdie putt. And you want to have a spike week in at least one of those categories, right? Well, we know that he can have a spike approach week. He's one of the best iron players on tour. We know that he can have a spike putter week because he has shown it in the past. And then he just has to be decent enough off the tee that he can put himself in decent positions to recover with his irons and with his putters. So I think Kyle Morikawa is kind of a wild card hanging in this week. We don't really know what we're going to get, but he does profile as a guy who could win this tournament. Next up, we've got to talk about Max Homa. I think Max Homa is going to come in under-owned because of his two missed cuts. But again, if you think about the formula for success, fairway green birdie putt, right? Can he have a spike week off the tee on approach or on the greens? Well, he's kind of had a few spike weeks on the greens at the Charles Schwab, at the PGA, at the Genesis, where he gained 11 strokes putting. And then he's had spike approach weeks like he did at the Farmers when he won, like he did at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. And so I really think that Max Homa is, if he's going to come in under-owned, I'm willing to go back to Max Homa because I do think he does possess the skill set that can really succeed here at Detroit Golf Club. Now, Justin Thomas is the next one that we get to talk about. And I think he may have finally figured his game out at the Travelers, right? Like he had just been not playing well at all up until the Travelers, but he gained seven strokes in the ball striking categories, still lost with the putter, and still came in T nine. So I really think everything's trending in the right direction for Justin Thomas. Um, we know that he plays easy courses well. I think this could be another good week for him. I have no problem going back to Justin Thomas. Now, when you look at the DraftKings board. I always think it's worth noting where there are fall offs, right? And I think when you look down this board, I think it's pretty obvious where the fall off is. I think it happens right after Sung JM, because when you get to Sung JM, right after you have Cam Davis. And Keegan Bradley, two guys who I think are priced up because of narrative reasons, Cameron Davis having won here before, Keegan Bradley having won last week. And then it's a whole lot of guys that have a whole lot of question marks like Harris English, Steven Yeager, and then the rest of the lot, right? So what I think you're going to see a lot of people do is I think you're going to see a lot of people get two guys that are at Sung J.M. or above. Because I do think there is enough value that when you construct the rest of your lineup, you can fit those guys in it, right? So the first guy we got to talk about for that is Tom Kim. So Tom Kim, what were we saying the formula was, right? You know, fairway green hit the putt. Well, can you have a you know, a hot putting week. Well, we know that he's going to have a hot approach week. He's had two straight of them in a row. We know he's going to have a hot putting week. He did it at the U.S. Open when he was T8. He did it last year at the Wyndham when he gained a massive 12 strokes putting. And then at the Rocket Mortgage last year, he was good enough off the tee. He was great on approach, and he came in seventh place at this tournament last year. So he has a win at a Donald Ross course. He has a seventh place finish last year, and he's coming off of two pretty good results. Yeah, I have no problem going to Tom Kim this week. Now, Hideki Matsuyama is another guy that is very interesting. Uh, he just needs to flip the putter. Like, he's doing every other component of his game correct. Uh, he just hasn't putted well at all, specifically at the U.S. Open and the PGA Championship. And so if he can just putt neutral, if you were to tell me today that Hideki Matsuyama was going to have a neutral week with the putter, I would probably be willing to roster him in all of my lineups for that reason, right? If he just gets a neutral putting week, he's going to be great. And you look at his history in this event, he has a 13th place finish and a 21st place finish. And then in 2021, he withdrew after one round. And I do believe he was in decent enough position after that one round. Like um, he wasn't like about to miss the cut or anything. It was just one of those Hideki WDs that he's had plenty of over the years. Now, after those guys, you got Sung J M who really popped on my custom model, really plays easy course as well, has good finishes here. No problem going with Sung J. Like, like no problem going with him. But I'm probably skipping a lot of the next range. And I think a lot of other people are going to as well. Uh, I do think Cam Davis, as a guy who has won here, is interesting. He is a guy who can give you those spike weeks. I I think he's definitely an interesting play. If he comes in at low ownership, I think he's going to be a solid play this week. But I don't know what that's going to look like just yet. Um, But if you scroll further down, though, I'm not really interested in a whole lot of other guys till you get to Alex Smalley. So the reason why I really like Alex Smalley is because He's really kind of turned his game around just in the last month. And in that last month, he came in T18 at Wells Fargo, T23 at the PGA, T40 at the Charles Schwab, T25 at the RBC Canadian Open, and then T9 at the Travelers Championship. Okay, maybe it was last month and a half, I guess. Maybe I stretched that a little bit. But anyway, he's turned in some good finishes, and he's done it being elite as a ball striker. And this is kind of a place where, if you are elite as a ball striker, you will give yourself enough opportunities to, to make birdie putts, right? And also when you look at his history, he's been pretty good at Donald Ross courses. You know, you see the T23 at the PGA championship where he was not supposed to do that. He was, you know, a really unexpected good finish at the PGA championship at only $6,300 on DraftKings. And then you look at last year, played well at the Wyndham, turned in a T13. Now he did I believe, yeah, he did miss the cut here last year, but it wasn't like a horrendous cut. He lost two strokes around the green, and I'm not going to lie. I'm like, I could not care less about around the green play this week because if you're going to be relying on your around the green play, it means you're not hitting the green, which means that you're not going to be getting birdie putts. And so I'm kind of off of Alex Smalley this week. Tom Hoagie was a guy who popped for a few of my stats, um, especially with the opportunities gained, especially with playing easy courses, but with not great recent form and not great course history, I I don't think he makes a whole lot of sense this week. Sepp Straka is a guy who can give you those spike weeks, and he does have two good finishes here with an 11th and an 8th place finish. But in the 8K range, the guy that I want to talk about is Austin Eckrow. I think he is going to be the most popular golfer in the 8K range and one of the most popular all around, because if we're being totally honest here, what really separates Austin Eckro at eight thousand dollars from Harris English at nine thousand dollars? I don't think it's a whole lot, like they were like three hundred dollars apart last week, and this week they're a thousand dollars apart, right? And when you look at what he's doing, he's still long off the tee, and he's been hitting a lot of fairways and he's been hitting a lot of greens that's the formula for success, right? And when you look at his recent finishes, 24th, 10th at the U.S. Open. 30th at the Memorial, 16th at the Charles Schwab, runner-up at the Byron Nelson, which was another birdie fest. I think a lot of people are just going to naturally, even if they start up top with two of the top six guys, I think they will click in Austin Eckrow as their third guy in, and I think he's going to be very popular, but I do think he's a very, very good play. All right, now continuing down to the 7K range. The first guy that I do want to talk about is Bo Hosler. All right, so if we look at Bo's profile, Bo has been very up and down, but Bo tends to do his best at courses where you can hit a lot of driver off the tee. So what do I mean by that? Memorial. A lot of driver off the tee, T24. PGA Championship, driver off the tee pretty much every hole, T40. That's another Donald Ross course, by the way. Wells Fargo Championship, another quail hollow course where you can swing driver off the tee, right? T47. Mexico, T10, driver off the tee all day there. Also gave you a good putting week at Mexico. So I really do think that when Bo Hassler has driver in his hand every time, he's going to give you a chance at a pretty good week. Now, generally, he is not a good approach player. But one thing that I did notice was at Pebble Beach, he came in T11. Why is Pebble Beach important? Well, Pebble Beach is a pretty short course. Pebble Beach is a course where you can swing driver off the tee, and you're going to have a lot of wedges in, which is also going to be the case this week. So when he does have a wedge into greens, he doesn't do so bad. And so I do think that Bo Hostler is a pretty under-the-radar decent play this week. Now, another guy that comes in at the same cost as Bo Hostler, and I think he'll be a little more popular is Joseph Bramlett. So Joseph Bramlett is another guy like Hostler who is great with the driver. He just needs to be able to, you know, kind of find the right range with his wedges. And it, he's kind of shown that when he can dial it in with his approach play, he can be pretty good. Uh, and then the putter, if he can just kind of, you know, like tread water with the putter, he can give you a pretty good finish. I would personally prefer um, Hosler a little bit over Bramlett, but I do like both of them heading into this week. Um, now, when you look further down the cheat sheet, there's going to be some guys that are popular. Uh, Patrick Rogers withdrew, so ignore him. Brandon Wu plays easy courses at an elite level. 30th place finish here last year. Don't mind them at all. Um, Gordon Sargent is an interesting one. So he's kind of like um, a mystery box, right? Like if you ever seen the old Family Guy episode where, where with the mystery box, he's kind of like that. Like we know what all these guys in this range are. We don't really know what Gordon Sargent is yet. You know, he's just really been promoted on the PGA Tour. I don't even know if he's technically a professional yet, but he's getting to play in these professional events. Um, And we don't really know what he is, but what we do know is that he drives the crap out of the golf ball. He's really long off the tee, and he came in 39th place at the U.S. Open. And so I'm kind of willing to throw out him as a wild card. Um, at this price tag because it turns out he might be supremely talented. He might end up being a guy two years from now who is up there at the the very top, right? We don't know what he is. And so I'm kind of willing at that price tag to give him a shot and roll him out this week, especially at a course that does favor driving distance and us knowing that he is super long off the tee. JJ Spawn is like Mr. Course History around here, by the way. He's the only guy who has made the cut in all four uh, editions of this tournament. He is also... Um, The only one, you know, he's made all four cuts, but he's come in 32nd place or better in all four tournaments. He's generally a terrible putter, but he does putt well on these greens, whatever it is about him. So I have no problem going back to JJ Spom. Doug Gim is another guy that I also have no problem going back to. He's really kind of heating up when you look at his last four tournaments. Uh, And so I do think that this could be a good spot for him, but I'm going to highlight another guy at the same price tag. I want to highlight Taylor Pendrith. So Taylor Pendrith was outstanding here last year. Um, last year, he finished T2 behind Tony Finau, kind of dueled him um, all Saturday and Sunday, just never really like caught him. Um, you know, Finau just kind of kept extending the lead, and Pender didn't answer. Um, but when you look at what he did, he was just elite here. He was great off the tee, he was great on approach, he was great with the putter. Um, and if he can find that again, he can give you that finish again. He followed that up with another good finish at the Wyndham, so maybe he does well at Donald Ross courses. Well, he did the PGA. T29, which was his best finish um, outside of the Zurich Classic in the last four months, um, along with a seventh at Pebble Beach. So I do think that this could profile as a good course for Taylor Pendrith uh, if he can just give you a good week with the driver off the tee, decent enough approach play. Um, and I do think this could be another good spot for him. I don't necessarily think that he'll be runner-up again like he was last year, but I do like Taylor Pendrith this week. In that mid-700 or 7,500, you know, ish range. I do like Sergeant. I do like Spawn. I do like Gim and I do like Pendrith. Now there are a few other guys in the 7k range that are worth noting. Um, you got Nate Lashley who has won this event. Wouldn't mind going back to him, even though the recent form is very hit or miss. Nick Hardy, long off the tee, starting to heat up a little bit. Wouldn't mind going back to him. I don't think he will be highly owned at all. Um, but the guy that I really like, Ryan Palmer um, popped in my model. He's a guy that I do like as well, once I saw how well he did in my model. The guy that I really like is down here at a flat 7000 And a lot of people are going to go to Carson Young. Carson Young is going to be the popular play at that price tag this week. And I had no problem going to Carson Young. I think he's about $400 underpriced. But he's not the one that I want to play. Cameron Champ, one of the longest drivers on the PGA Tour, two top 20 finishes at this event. He's not the guy that I want to play. Kevin Yu, coming off of a made cut at the Travelers where he made a lot of birdies and kind of faltered over the weekend. He's not the guy I want to play. Matt Wallace, 10th place and a 12th place finish at this event, long off the tee, plays well at easy courses. Again, not the guy that I want to play. All three of those guys make for solid plays. But the guy that I want at $7,000 is Akshay Batia. If you've listened to this podcast a lot, you will know my affinity for playing Akshay. I just think he's supremely talented. I think he's really good at golf. Um, It started with a few years ago when he hit all 18 greens in one round at Pebble Beach. It's an impressive stat. Those are the smallest greens on the PGA Tour. Um, When you look at what he does, he's also elite with the driver. And if he can just turn in a solid putting week, He has a chance to win the golf tournament. He's that good at all other aspects of his game. Look at what he did in Mexico if you need more examples of that. Came in fourth place in that tournament, dueled Finau and Rahm down the stretch, um, gained five strokes with the putter, and a fourth place finish. And, you know, if he can just do that again, you know, be the same guy with the driver and on approach that he's been the last few months and gain five strokes with the putter like he did in Mexico, he can give you another top five finish. I think he is the best long shot bet to win this tournament. Uh, I think he is a great top 10 or top 20 bet. Um, He's great at easy courses. He's great with a driver in his hand. If he can just have a decent putting week, he can give you a really solid performance. Now, looking down the 6K range, it gets pretty ugly pretty quick on DraftKings. Callum Tarrant is a guy who played well here last year with a 20th place finish. Um, I wouldn't mind going back to him for that reason. Um, but the guy that I want to talk about is a little further down the board. And a guy that not a whole lot of people are probably going to mention this weekend. That is Jimmy Walker. So Jimmy Walker, even though he's a little bit on the old side, still drives the golf ball pretty far. Um, and he is historically a good putter. When you look at his putting stats, he's been pretty good with the putter this calendar year. Uh, and so I kind of think when you look at what this course is going to require you to do, be real good with the driver, be real good with the putter. I think Jimmy Walker is a guy who fits that mold. Now, the next guy down the board that I think fits that mold is going to be Kevin Twight, $6,600 on DraftKings. Um, he did have a fourth, or 14th place finish. Um, here at this term in 2021. Missed the cut in his other three tries though. But when you look at what he's been doing, he's a guy who is generally pretty good off the tee, can get hot on approach, and can get hot with the putter. And so if he does give you one of those hot weeks, he could give you from a very, very cheap price tag a very good finish. And I do like Kevin Tway this week. Now, the last guy that I do want to kind of profile here is going to be Carl Yuan. Again, thinking about what this course is going to require you to do, driver, Hit the green, putter, right? Well, he's generally pretty good with the driver. He's one of the longest drivers on the tour. And he can give you a good putting week. Does he usually give you a good putting week? No, but he does have that potential. He's shown the ability to do so. So I would not mind going over to Carl Yuan at $6,500 for that reason. Now, if you're looking for value plays and you want to play the course history game with guys who have played Detroit Golf Club fairly well, uh, Troy Merritt would be that guy. He has a 14th, a 2nd, and an 8th here at this course. Um, However, he has been pretty bad recently. He's missed his last five cuts. Um, So um, depending on how you value course history versus recent form, he might be a guy you can have a dart throw with. Now, there is one more guy that I do want to talk about. And that is Aldrich Potgeeter down at $6,200. So kind of like the same concept as Gordon Sargent, right? We don't really know what he is yet. What we do know about him as an amateur is that he is really good at driving the golf ball. And we know that he did make the cut at the US Open. And I just think that his ceiling is a lot higher than a lot of other guys down here in this range, just knowing those two things about him, right? Like, I just think that, you know, knowing that he's long off the tee, knowing that he had the chops to make the cut at the U.S. Open. I think he's definitely worth a dark throw at $6,200. Maybe you want to get super aggressive with your lineup and you want to do like a Finau Fowler build or something. I do think you could put him in there as a little bit of salary relief. I think his upside is immensely more than anybody else down here in this range. Now, the very last guy, if you want to play a little bit of the course history game, is Richie Warinski. Um, He does have three top 30 finishes at Detroit Golf Club, um, if you're really looking for somebody cheap and you don't like Aldrich Potgeeter, Richie might be a guy that you could go with just based off of nothing but that course history. All right, so that does it for the DFS preview. Now let's talk some one and done. So for a one and done, you're obviously not going to play any of these guys that are like far down the board, right? You're going to want to play the favorites. Um, and so this week, if you're looking at your one and done um, – I kind of think that if you have Ricky Fowler left, this is like the last call for Ricky Fowler. Like, you know, might you want to use him at the British Open at Royal Liverpool where he had a top 10 finish in 2014? Maybe. But I don't think you're going to get a much better spot in a weaker field where he might win the golf tournament than right here, right now with Ricky Fowler. Like, he kind of gives me a lot of Jason Day vibes before Jason Day won the Byron Nelson, right? And Jason Day won that event, which was a weaker field, and it was a birdie fest. Well, guess what? This is a weaker field. This is a birdie fest. So I kind of do think if you have Ricky Fowler, this is the best spot to use him. He will be the chalky pick this week, however. So if you're trailing in your one-and-done, you need to gain some ground. Ricky's probably not the guy that you want to go with. Now, if you have them available, Finau, Morikawa and JT, I would probably wait on using. Final, you know, we, he doesn't have the best form coming in. And he does have the 3M open later this summer where he did win last year. Colin Morikawa, don't really know where his game's at. We mentioned earlier how there's so many question marks on it. Justin Thomas. You know, there's courses down the road where he has played pretty well. And let's see if he gets his game back a little bit before we go with him. Now, would it be a little bit contrarian to go with one of those guys this week? Absolutely. But I would probably prefer to hold off on them. The guy at the top who I would probably like to use is Max Homa. I don't think there's any real natural fits for Max Homa at the rest of the schedule. This is a weaker field event. He's probably not gonna ever have a better chance to win than he would this week. Even though knowing what we know about Max Homa's career, he has not won outside of a Wells Fargo championship or the state of California. So what better shot to do it than here where you know this is pretty much a week where if he gets hot with the putter, he could do it, right? I, I don't think Max Homa's a bad pick at all. Um, aside from the top five though, I think that Sungjae is a great play. Um, Sungjae is a guy who plays a lot of PGA Tour events though. So if you want to wait later in the summer to play Sungjae, that's fine. Sungjae is a guy that because of how many events he plays, there's probably going to be an event later this year, whether it be like the John Deere Classic, the 3M Open, um, the Wyndham, somewhere like that where he's going to be one of the favorites and you want to wait for that, go for it. I would have no problems with that. I feel the same way about Tom Kim. Um, I would throw him in that category as well. I think Cam Davis would make for a solid, if a little bit, contrarian play because of knowing the fact that um, he has won this event before. He has been pretty good here at Detroit Golf Club. So um, I wouldn't mind going with them. I am probably this week going to end up going with Sanjay. That's probably going to be my pick. All right, so there you have it. That is the preview for the Rocket Mortgage Classic 2023. So... Hopefully, we gave you guys plenty of information here on this episode that you can use to um, win with your DFS lineups, that you can use to win on some outright bets, or that you can use to get ahead in your one and done. So um, if you like what you heard, please hit the subscribe button. Please hit the like button. It really does help me out a lot. We will be back on our next episode talking about Live Valderrama. So if you hit that subscribe button, you'll be notified when that episode is dropped. All right, so... That does it for this episode, guys. Thank you guys for listening, and I will see you next time.